0: Not only does your capability change as far as what you can give your energy to, depending on what's going on in your life, but your role within your business needs to shift alongside it because they all require different things of you.
1: You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Coke, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello. Welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Coke, And today we are talking to Rachel Griman, who is an amazing entrepreneur. And you're going to find our conversation so authentic and real. And I know you're going to find some nuggets that you can take home on how you can support yourself when you're going through some, some challenging times, um, and how you can support yourself in the business and give yourself grace. And also maybe what things you can think about for when your team goes through some challenging times. So Rachel is a copywriter and documentary family photographer in Denver, Colorado. She owns green chair stories, a company committed to writing websites that get photographers booked. She believes cookies are a perfectly acceptable breakfast food. As long as you eat some salad later. Totally agree. She lives with her giant dog, an 80-pound bernadoodle named Bernadette. I can't believe we didn't talk about doodles, considering we have ours, Ozzy. She also lives with her giant husband, a six-six man named Travis, and her currently little, but probably soon to be giant babies in a bungalow in the city. I loved meeting her. I loved her authenticity, and I cannot wait for you to listen in on our
0: conversation.
1: Hey, Rachel. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Can't wait for listeners to learn from you.
0: Thanks for having me. I am excited to be here.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So before we dive in to a topic that I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs navigating um, at various different times or just people in business in general, can you give listeners a little bit of a background on your journey to entrepreneurship? I always love a good entrepreneurship founder story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was a photojournalism major in college, so writing and photos just kind of always went together in my mind, and I worked in nonprofits. like, I just got kept getting internships in nonprofits starting my junior year of college and then after I graduated, so I was doing a lot of writing and photographing for nonprofits. And then in 2014, I had a bunch of people start asking me to take family photos of them, and I was like, sure. I can do that. Why not try it? I had never done it before. Um, Cause I was usually like telling fundraising stories with my images. <laughs> so I tried it and I really loved it. And then by the end of that year, I was like, okay, I need to leave my full-time job and do this full-time. So I started as like marketing myself as a family photographer. And then I quickly learned in all the entrepreneur groups that creative struggle with copywriting probably more than anything. And I was like, oh, I've been doing that for 10 years, so I can help. (laughs) So I started um, offering copywriting services very slowly. And then in 2018, it kind of like, 2017, it kind of like all shifted toward copy. So now I do photos occasionally, but it's mostly copywriting at this point.
1: Isn't it so interesting how You think it's going to be one thing, and then you just have to jump in and do it and start, and then you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, actually, I'm going to do this.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's such a testament to like the market tells you what it wants. And there were a lot of family photographers in Denver, Colorado when I started my business. Not to say I couldn't make room for myself if I wanted, but the road would have been a lot harder. And it was very clear to me that there was a much better, easier path in business if I went the copywriting route. Yeah.
1: Did you find that you ended up loving business? Like I feel like a lot of times entrepreneurs go into business because they really like whatever the expertise they're doing or the service they're providing. Um, Did you find that you actually found that you love the business, like building a business just as much as like taking the photos or or being the photographer?
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. If anything, it's like, I love the business side. I, kind of despise that I've always done something kind of subjective, you know, like anybody can say they love or hate your photos and be right because they're entitled to their opinion. And it's kind of the same with writing. Um, My husband's an engineer and sometimes I get a little bit jealous that like his designs either work or they don't. The math either adds up or it doesn't. (laughs) And so because my work is subjective, that has probably been the biggest hurdle, but actually building a business and marketing and brainstorming and meeting people and networking and building like strategic partnerships, I love that stuff. I don't think I'll ever exist in this world without having a piece of that in my life.
1: Yeah, I would agree. That's what I've found as well. Um, And, you know, I don't know... I guess what I do is subjective a lot of the times because a bulk of my recruiting or a a bulk of my business is recruiting and headhunting. And so it's like my performance inevitably is dictated on how other humans behave. And sometimes I'm just like, I wish I could just like be paid to create something that I can just deliver and be done with. And then so often it's like somebody starts their job and like there's this weird thing that they have that there's no way we could have identified in the interview process. And as much as my clients want, like they rationalize that it's not my fault.
0: It's hard not to take that on. Exactly. And it's so, it can be so
1: stressful and so frustrating. In fact, I just had a, um, a, 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 candidate, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm working on filling a, a COO role for a client. And I had this like candidate who was really great. I went to bat for like, the, they they kind of felt like he wasn't the good fit. And I was like, no, he really is. And like really went to bat for him. Ended up like missing two interviews, like all of these things. That's and the I'm just like, feeling. I went to fucking bat for yeah. you. <laughs> and then you don't even show up. Like, I look like an idiot anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's somebody just not prioritizing like your relationship either, which is so
1: frustrating. Totally. Totally. Oh well, it's humans and I know yeah, that. Yeah, totally. I've been doing this long enough to expect it, but um uh, anyways, that was a total tangent just something I thought of related to what I personally experienced on Friday. So, there we go. Um so you've been doing your you've been an entrepreneur for quite some time. You're you're one of I don't know, the OGs and maybe like you've been doing, I feel like over the last two years, there's been so many people jumping into entrepreneurship, but you've been kind of tried and true doing it for quite a while. One of the the topics that I really wanted to dive in with you today is you've been at it long enough to know the different seasons of of being an entrepreneur. There's some, I would imagine when you're grinding, there's some when you're not. And like. Can you just share a little bit about your experience working through the ups and downs or changes? Maybe they're not ups and downs, the differences.
0: Yeah. I mean, this month I bought my domain nine years ago for my website, and which sounds like I don't feel very old, but when I look around at like online businesses, nine years is a long time to last online. And I've seen the trends change and all of that. And my own life has changed so dramatically (laughs) since then. I have two kids now and um, I was very like, it was just my husband and I, I didn't have much to lose when I started. And like you said, it's kind of a grinding phase. Like I could stay up late and wake up early and, sacrifice my nights and weekends. You know, it was just my husband and I, and he had a very steady job. So I was blessed with the ability to risk, you know, and to take risk and to see how long it would take me to be profitable. You know, I didn't make money for a long time, um, because I just didn't know what I was doing and I was floundering and figuring it out. And there were not nearly as many resources for online business owners then as there are now. Um, but I loved figuring it out. You know, I liked you know, putting some elbow grease into it and designing my own site and, you know, everything looked terrible, but I did it. So there it was like an element great, <laughs> of but- pride. <laughs> no, I am not a designer. Looking back, I thought it was so great. And now I'm like, oh, that's so embarrassing. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen different seasons just in my own capability and energy. Um, I look back at pre-kid entrepreneur me. And I'm so mad at her, like for not Why I need to
1: know, because I am pre-kid entrepreneur. What should I know? Yeah.
0: Well, just for not taking advantage of it. Like I thought I was grinding and I'm like, girl, you do not even know. And honestly, there's nothing I can say to you to make you understand how different time is when a little person needs you all the time. Um, because I saw my friends doing it and I didn't listen like until it's your life you can't really make adjustments, I don't think. And some people are just naturally better at it. But I'm like, I will take the time that I give myself. So if I have all day to do something, not anymore, but before kids, I would read, I would watch a show, I would procrastinate on things that weren't urgent. And then it was like the day before it was due or the day before the deadline was, I was you know, procrastinating until then and then getting it done. And now I don't do that. Now it's like, I have one hour and this is the most important thing and this is what it's going to get done. Um, and I think just, there's also seasons of your role in your business. Like for the first, I don't know, six years, it was just me. And so I was everything, you know, I didn't contract out to anyone, maybe wow. an accountant. six years? Yeah, because I didn't know. I think I was definitely dealing with a big scarcity mindset of just like, I need to hold on to every penny I make. And then in 2017, when copy really took off for me, I got pregnant. And then I was due in the middle of 2018. And I brought on a writer that summer, like a couple of weeks before I had my daughter. And that was my first contractor like my first employee and he stayed with me for four years and it was like a great relationship he actually just left last year and which is great like he needed to move on to other things but he as my first contractor really showed me the possibilities of what it can be like to offload work and how freeing it can feel and that was when I started to move from like worker B to manager and I was both for another two years. And then I brought my assistant in, in 2021. And that just like radically transformed my whole business. And now we've had a lot of like life upheaval in our personal life over the past couple months. And my writers and my assistant have stepped up in bigger ways. And now I'm just a manager, which I've net this is a new role for me. So I think not only does your capability change as far as what you can give your energy to, depending on what's going on in your life, but your role within your business needs to shift alongside it because they all require different things of you. And if you're scaling, you know, I'm sure you say this all the time on your podcast, like you have to spend your time on money generating activities and like leading the business and big ideas to move it forward. You can't be writing blog posts anymore. You know, like at some point there needs to be a changing of the guards and handing it off and delegating.
1: Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. In terms of, I'm so interested in knowing how did you I think one of the biggest things that entrepreneurs struggle with when they do decide to bring in help whether that be a contract help or full-time helper or what what have you how did you ease into trusting somebody could do the work as good as you could and did you have to ease in i guess
0: i didn't get that luxury i didn't give myself that luxury i should say because i hired Levi, when I was like 36 weeks pregnant Mm, and he had his first client the week I had my daughter. So it was like, let's go, bro. (laughs) So I trained him like two weeks before I had her. And I was like, do not advise. I was in my inbox, like the day we got home from the hospital, helping him managing the, like, it just wasn't, the timing wasn't great, but it worked. And it was kind of like trial by fire. You know, like you just we just got thrown in and we had to figure it out together. And he had to learn really quickly that he needed to be really honest and forthcoming about what he needed because my time was really limited and precious. So it was like if you're gonna reach out to me, put it all in one email, be really clear, ask for what you need because I'm not gonna be back here till tomorrow. And so it was actually a great way to start our relationship because we both just like got right to it. Um I also think that the key is that nobody's gonna do it like you, but that doesn't mean that they're Going to do it worse. Like, Levi was a completely different writer than me. He had completely different skill sets than I did. And he offered our clients something different. Sure, there were things that I was better at. And like, I have three writers now. I'm better at certain things than all three of them. All three of them are better than me at certain things, too. So, I can promise that people are going to get a consistent experience because we all use the exact same process to get to the end result, but our brains are different and our creativity is different and our inspiration is different and the way we relate to people is different. And I have learned to see what a blessing that is because our, and I play matchmaker now and it's like, I can tell from somebody's vibe, like our clients, who they're going to mesh well with and who's going to get the best result for them. And I can tell you, it's not me you know my writers have now surpassed me in a lot of ways in what they're able able to do and i was so hung up on exactly what you said is anybody going to be able to do it like me the answer is no they're not and they don't but that does not mean it's different worse it's just mm-hmm. different
1: yeah uh-huh preach. I just wish more and more people would understand that and give the time to to experience that. Yeah.
0: But it's kind of like what I said to you about mom time. Like you don't know it till you experience it. It's the same thing with this. You don't know it until you hand over the reins to something important to you and see what happens. And I can see how if people have a bad experience doing that with someone, how they would be gun shy or don't want to do it again. Like I totally get that. But the second you have a good experience delegating, like I am addicted to it. Like I cannot get enough of it at this point.
1: That's what I was going to just say is you strike me as someone who's very direct and, and you're, and I think that's such a great, an important quality of a boss, a good boss is to, to be very direct and like, listen, if this is what you need, like what you just said, like you need to be very clear um, on what you need from me because I'm not going to be available where I think there's so many like first-time bosses who maybe are a little more reserved and they'll be like, okay, let me know if you need help. And then they get pissed off when their person doesn't do the things that you just outlined. Well, you didn't tell them to do that, you know? So um, did that come naturally to you?
0: Um, I think it comes naturally to writing. So built into the job of writing is editing. So there's an opportunity for me to give feedback on every single project multiple times. So I don't like any kind of friction or conflict in relationship, even if I'm direct. It's more that as a writer, it is, it does not matter what kind of writing you do. Editing and feedback is part of the job every single time. So it's almost like these mini reviews on every single project. Like this is what you did great. This is what you didn't do great. And my writers edit me. Like they have the opportunity to edit my writing too. So it's like a symbiotic relationship. And also I, I think even more than being direct, I'm really big on personal responsibility. And so when I mess up, I'm the first one to email them and say, this was my bad. I don't want you to feel any feelings about this. And I'll compensate you if it was something that I did incorrectly, or I'll make it up to you in this way. Um, And I think if you're able as a leader to be really personally accountable for your actions, both good and bad, your team can kind of pick up on that culture. Like if you ingrain it into the culture as a leader, my writers are very quick to be like, eh, I messed up. Like, let me tell you how. And- Because they know it's safe. Totally. My reaction to that is really important to them. I'm never going to punish them. You know, like even if they mess up, if we agree that they're getting paid this for a client, they get paid that. Like even if I have to be involved and spend more of my time, just because like mistakes don't equal, you know- a consequence for them all the time. It's my business. They work for me. They don't like, they're not running their own business. It's not their job to sacrifice for it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such good advice. If you're listening to the show, like take that advice and be the first like I always say it's just like anytime I even think about it as like there's I'm a hundred percent extrovert like every test you take, I'm like a hundred percent extrovert. And same. so I go, so you can probably relate. Like I love going to events and meeting people. Like I come back feeling so good, but then mm-hmm. sometimes when you're there, it's like, Oh, how do I like strike up a conversation? And it's just like, someone's got to go first. So like, I, I feel like it's the same in, um, in work relationships. It's like, somebody just has to go first and start being really honest and trans like vulnerable. And then everyone else will. But if you think like if you're the boss and you think you have to have all the answers and have it all like put together and, and there can be no room for you making a mistake, then that's how your team's going to think they have to be too. Um, And so it's like, you just got to be the vulnerable one first. um, For sure. Okay. So, shifting gears a little bit. I know that you've you've gone through transition into to motherhood. Um I know there's some, you know, more challenging personal stuff going on with with your children right now or or one. Um and it's probably affecting how you can show up to work and and all of that. Um I don't know if you want to share any of that information, but I would love to to know what things have you learned about family commitments and maybe personal life commitments? Um, I know know you said you won't know until your mom, but is there anything that you've learned that you now will give your team or even clients a little bit more grace about that maybe you hadn't before?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is probably my weak spot a little bit because so my son was diagnosed with leukemia. He's two in, uh, November. So, and this is March 1st when we're recording this. So it's new, it's fresh. We are at the very beginning of a very, very long, hard road. It's already been really difficult. Um, and work is kind of my distraction from it. So, uh, like those people who say, I can't eat, I can't sleep, I can't do anything. I'm like, I can numb with the thing that I'm good at. And this is what I'm good at. And so I probably have worked more than I should, um, just to like, kind of postpone feelings I get that. <laughs> and like defer emotion a little bit. And it like, we're in crisis mode, to be honest. And so we're dealing with, you know, big, heavy things, life-changing things. And I don't have the emotional, I don't have the space for a breakdown right now. And so my husband is really, really good in a healthy way of processing his feelings in real time. I am like, I'll break down in six months. Just let me get through this little (laughs) hiccup here. Like once we're out of crisis, I feel like I'll be able to look back and be like, oh, wow. You know, that's kind of how COVID was with, I had a baby in the middle of COVID, him. And it was kind of the same way. It's like once we got Past the big bubble, it was like, okay, now I can sit and process these feelings. That's kind of how I do it. So because we're still in crisis mode, I've kind of been head down working still. Now I've handed off a lot of my responsibilities that I would have never dreamt of handing off before. Um, just because I, you know, my my kid is home, I don't have childcare anymore. Um, so I just don't have the hours to give that I usually would have. To answer your question about um, if I have more grace for my clients, I do. I think I always have when it comes to family emergency, like if something happens, I'm not going to hold you to our timeline. But at the same time, I think it's more a, a point of connection. Like, I don't think I needed to build more grace for them. It's more... I have found, you know, one, a person who inquired this week is a pediatric oncologist. I have something to talk to her about that I would have never had to say, you know, a couple months ago. Um, And just kind of building, I think it just builds bridges of connection between me and more people having gone through this and being in the middle of it. Um, But I think we all actively need to have grace for people that Aren't willing to talk about it. I'm always will like. I'm an extrovert. I'm willing to talk about anything. You can know all my business, and I don't care. But I think there's some people that go through stuff like this and don't talk about it. And so I think I need to realize that some people are going through harder things than I realize.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I can relate in um, in that my family had a, a pretty um, serious. I don't know. Serious. I don't know if that's the right answer. Long and short of it, about five years ago, I had a nephew who passed away from a very rare disease, and I remember that was the first time anything really um, traumatic had happened to me in my family. It was the first time, like we've ever had to experience any sort of a a major death or anything like that. And I was what thirty five, maybe thirty, mid thirty, early thirties. And so very blessed to have gone that long without right, having to do right. that. But I remember my company I was working for at the time, and I was living in California and my family's in Minnesota. They were like, take the time you need. Like you can transfer to another location there, like do whatever you need to do. And they were like so supportive of me in that moment that, that had that's changed my viewpoint forever on how I help coach my clients to deal with situations like that that happened. I think before I would have been like, okay, what's the policy? Oh, this is what they get, you know, and that's it. And now I feel like I have a lot more empathy having been on that side uh, and able to like coach my clients in a different way um, than I would have because you don't know how – I just think how your work hand helps – support you through these hard times can make such an impact, right? They don't have they're not separate. Work and personal life are not separate. And so like how can you support your employees, I guess it's I don't know if that's that's a wild yeah, yeah. tangent.
0: I feel the same. Like even when you're talking, I'm like, I wonder how I, that would work with my contractors. Because at this point, they work, they get paid when they work. You know, they sign up for time and then they get paid for it. But it's like if something like this happened to one of them, like I'm positive I would I mean we had a nanny when COVID hit. And she didn't work. And we paid her for like two months because we didn't know if she was going to come back. And she obviously didn't work. Like we weren't seeing anybody. We were on lockdown. So I guess it would be kind of the same. Like I would probably give them some sustenance for a while, even if they're not, you know, producing something. But it's tricky in that contractor world when they're not an employee. And all of my, um, team is contractors. So I'm like you have me thinking now I should probably like create a policy about that for them.
1: <laughs> it is it is tricky because if you pay them when they can't work then that's kind of toying the line of employee and W2 employee. Totally. Yeah. So so there is a lot of things definitely that go into these decisions as a business owner, you know, I think I talked to a lot of my attorney friends like <laughs> like um the road to hell is paved on good intentions. Like oh,
0: totally. Yes.
1: I I would say 80% of the time a company gets sued is because of something they were trying to do to be helpful.
0: Mm, that's so the it's worst. like
1: yeah. So I don't know. I I I don't know what I would advise you on to do yeah. for that to be honest. And, and have, if if you do run into that situation, I'm happy to to Yeah, chat I will definitely be sending you like. an email. <laughs> we could definitely chat about what that would look like, but it is interesting. You don't know what it's like to until you until you go for it, go through it for sure. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about Yeah, I mean, that it's
0: and- it's okay. I kind of feel the same as you. Like I haven't experienced a lot of trauma in my life um, and I feel very lucky in that regard. And even with like something I've talked with my therapist about for years is that I have a hard time feeling feelings because I feel like my life is easy. You know, yes, I, I, I I don't I deserve to feel any type of way about anything because my life is easy. And- It's so funny because that followed me into cancer. Like you would think that like, if there's a, if there's a time for me to feel sorry for myself, for me to feel like this is hard, it would be now, but I'm on that oncology floor going, you know, at least we don't have that to deal with looking at other people that seem like they have it harder, you know, just, we live 15 minutes from the hospital. So we had an eight weeks stay when he was hospitalized um, over Christmas and I got to shower at home every other day because we live so close. And there's people from New Mexico, you know, up here in Denver staying for weeks and weeks at a time. And so I couldn't let myself feel bad for myself because their life was a little bit harder. And it just goes to show you like your stuff comes with you no matter what happens. And (laughs) I can tell myself that it's not that bad Tell I'm blue in the face, but that doesn't make it any easier. I'm not making the struggle easier by telling myself that somebody has it worse.
1: Right, for sure. It's also a coping mechanism.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. It's like, well, I don't have to feel this. Exactly.
1: Or this, it's almost like a coping mechanism as well as maybe like a little bit of hope
0: Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. not
1: going to be as bad as you think it is maybe. Totally, totally. Yes, it's like my
0: um, veneer of optimism.
1: mm -hmm. (laughs) Which... I would imagine has served you very well. I hope and gotten you where you are. <laughs> I don't feel like I have a choice. It's just it just is who I am. Yeah, hundred percent. So any tips? I know you're going through it, so it's very like you're in it right now, and you probably don't have as much reflection as maybe you will in in two years, but Any advice or tips you would give to listeners who are going through a challenging season personally while trying to manage a business? Do you have any advice or tips for them on what's working for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've said it a million times already, but delegating – Is the best thing you can do. Um, I keep saying the situation we're in now with my business is a happy accident. Like I can work five to 10 weeks and I haven't changed my paycheck at all because I've just handed work over to my writers and my assistant um, who have happily taken on more and they're making the whole company is making more because everybody's doing more and getting paid more. So that was. I accidentally set up the perfect situation for me to have a crisis and I didn't know I was doing it, but I did. So looking back, if you're trying to be strategic about that for your own life because you have something big coming up or you want, you crave security and safety in your business, the worst thing you can do is do this alone. And I know scaling isn't for everyone and I'm not suggesting that, but just having people on your team on your side, in your orbit, that you feel comfortable asking for help from, um, even if they're not like a formal contractor of yours yet. Um, I think everyone should have an assistant if they're running a business. Um, that assistant is going to save you a lot of headache, even if it takes a little bit to train them, just because it's another set of eyeballs on your calendar, on your schedule, on what needs to get done. Um, another person that can serve your clients. Um, I can confidently say that if you're a couple years into your business, you should have somebody helping you in that regard. <laughs> um, I think other tips is just um, being willing to make less if it comes to that. You know, in the beginning when all of this started, I was you know getting ready to open up my personal writing calendar for the year, and so I had all of these plans of what I was going to make and who I was going to serve this year and um i was actually going to pivot i had a lot of like speaking gigs lined up that i had to cancel and i was kind of ready to spread my wings into this next phase of business but i think just being willing to say um not right now you know it's impossible i can't there's no way i could but i am holding on to the belief that if these opportunities were available to me now there's no reason they won't be in a couple years i can pause and i'm not going to miss out i am not going to let myself like, let FOMO make my life harder right now. Like, there's no reason to make my life harder than it already is. So, I can just say these weren't for me and there's going to be more later. So, I think a lot of it is mindset. I, I, the situations are so different when like an emergency happens or trauma happens or a crisis happens that it's like some people feel like they can't take less money. So, they have to work more. So, I feel hesitant to give like tangible advice of what to do. Um, but I can definitely tell you that mindset plays a big piece of it. And if you need to do something, you can. And I believe in that.
1: Amazing. Mindset can change everything. Make or break. Yeah. (laughs) And you said that so confidently that the, the opportunity, if the opportunities are here now, they will be in the future. I believe that for you too.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I've had practice because I had to do the same thing during COVID.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's very true.
0: And it probably worked out. It worked out. My business is better than ever. And I am like barely hanging on. So (laughs) the fact that it's working, like just telling yourself that even if you don't believe it, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but have you seen like the lucky girl syndrome? No. Like they call it the lucky girl syndrome and it's just people saying I am lucky and good things will happen to me like, or things work out for me. You know, some iteration of that is like the mantra. And people are saying, I've been saying this for a month and look at all these things that worked out for me. And that's kind of how I live my life with like, even if it's not true, I have to say it. Otherwise I'm not going to get through today. So if I need to tell myself that these opportunities are coming in two years, they will.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and if you actually break down and reflect on your life and how your days play out, it's true like most of the time, like usually ever, you can always look back and see how things it worked out worked out for you in yes. some way or another.
0: Yeah. And it's not even these opportunities. Maybe my desires change. Maybe my goals change. Like if it's not this, it will be something.
1: Yes. I believe Rachel that the universe has your back.
0: Thank you. And I do too. Back. And yours. And everyone's back. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, awesome. Well, Thank you so much for for being so open and vulnerable. I think, you know, listeners will definitely relate. Everyone has stuff that they go through. Um, And like you said... A lot of people don't talk about it. And so it makes you feel like you're alone when you're going through some of these situations. And so I really think it'll resonate with listeners.
0: And you guys are hearing my polished self, just so you know. Like, <laughs> There's been a lot of crazy stuff coming out of my mouth the last couple months too.
1: I can imagine there's a up and
0: down. Yes, um, for sure, for sure. But it might
1: Okay. Well, you sound like an awesome person that listeners right back would want you. to work with <laughs> for copywriting things. I hope. Yeah. How can listeners like work with you or learn more about your team um, of awesome writers who are better than you?
0: Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> we No, you are not wrong. Uh, I'm on Instagram all the time at Green Chair Stories. It's just the name of my business or greenchairstories.com. There's nine years of writing advice on that blog. So use it Take it to your advantage. Um, And if you have questions, shoot me a DM. It says on there that we write only for photographers, which is mostly true, but we will take on very, very aligned clients who are in the creative space. So
1: awesome. I mean, those are the people that need help. Uh, Well, all of us need help. And you always want an expert um, in your field. So um, pass this episode along to any creatives that you know um, and give her a follow. So thank you, Rachel, for coming on the show. I'm really grateful for your time today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Awesome listeners. We'll talk again very soon. If you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening. Share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth. Share it with a fellow business owner in your network who you know will be moved by the message. Heck, share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin. Your support in growing the show means the world to me.